0: Ah, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way right down top! back, this contender. Here's the problem I'm seeing. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of our New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. This is not a drill. The NBA draft is tomorrow. No, this is not like a few days away. Not a couple days away. Not, oh, we're going to talk about in the future. No, 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 The future is now. It is happening tomorrow. The 2023 NBA draft featuring Victor Wamiyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, the Thompson brothers, Jerice Walker, all these guys. All these guys. All these lottery names and first round names. It's happening tomorrow. 5 p.m. Mount Standard Time. 8 p.m. East Coast Time. It's happening, guys. It'll be covered on Quartz and Twitter.com slash Heat. So, The intro was just that. We're going to be talking about the draft. We have so much we got to get to. So much good stuff. I want to talk about Damian Lillard. I have a trade proposal for him. I want to get to the Clippers and then possibly trading Paul George. I want to get to Kyle Kuzma opting out. I want to get to what Woj said about Brandon Miller. I want to get to... All of these guys, Jalen Brown, and if he's come back, that's gonna be for our breaking news around the league for and then for our topic of the day. We're gonna be going for the lottery draft and seeing how each team's roster will shape up after their selection. I am I am excited for his draft class. I've not been excited this excited for a draft since the Suns had the first overall pick back in the 2018 NBA draft. And that was the Doncic, DeAndre, Trey Young, draft, just to name top three stars, unless you want to add in Marvin Bagley the third. Who now I believe plays for the Pistons. I, I can't really remember. But I it's been a while since I've been this emotionally attached to an NBA draft. 2020 was all <sighs> See, I, I'm not trying to discredit or just belittle how good these drafts were, but I it's not like I'm going to be jumping up and down. I love Ant-Man. I love Wiseman. I love Ball. It's just, I don't know. I don't I don't see this as the same being for 2023 or even 2018. I think sometimes we miss how special that trip was. Now, 2021 was also pretty cool because it had Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddey, uh both the Jalens, Mobley, Cunningham. Like, there was some just some straight-up talent. So, there's been so much talent, so much talent. Even in last year's draft, when we had um, Jabari Smith, I, I don't know about him. I'll talk about that another day, but you have... Paying you had Holmgren. real wish I could have seen Holmgren, but he's gonna have his true rookie season, even though that it's sharp pass, but he didn't even play a game. But yeah, Keegan Murray, Shane Sharp, Dyson Daniels. Ooh, there's so many good guys. Jalen Duran, like, there's so many good guys. Christian Brown, Walker Kessler. Like, if you guys actually think about it, it's pretty, pretty epic. What kind of draft class has we been having in 2023 is just going to keep getting better and better. It's setting the state to get better and better. I honestly do believe that. So there's a lot I want to get into. You guys know where to find me, courtsheat.com, uh, twitter.com, slash Heat. We're on Twitter for the podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, In. Uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. Anywhere you can think of, we're there, we're everywhere, everywhere. Remember Corsi.com, we are talking about the official lottery mock draft, I came out with the who should the Hornets select, because it's been a pretty fiery debate, so I came out with that article my um, I was saying that was like a few days ago? I-, I can't remember when. What was that? When was the ni- when Whenever the 19th was, what was that like? A Monday? So I guess that Monday, I came out who should the Hornets draft? Look, the Hornets have their hands tied between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, but I'm advocating for Brandon Miller based on fit, not talent. You guys should go check out the article. You guys will definitely enjoy it. It's on my featured section of Twitter and of this of the site. And I'm not gonna segue that into Brandon Miller way Woach said. I'm actually gonna take a step back and talk about Damien Lord I wanna talk about Damian Lord. I wanna get right into this podcast. I don't wanna I want this to be no holds barred. So People have been talking a lot of stuff, a lot of junk on Damian Lillard for saying I'm loyal to his team. That my loyalty is with the Portland Trail the team that drafted me. People actually have an issue that he continues to publicly demand that the team get better, that he's in a win-now mode, that he wants those opportunities. He wants to be in the postseason for the first time in a couple of seasons. And he wants to be loyal. People are upset. People are like, oh, he's just following the money. He would get the money regardless of the team he's on. That's how good he is. Oh, he's just saying it because he's 32. He's still a very, very good ball player. He's very great. He's very great. So these people are saying, oh, well, he's just saying all of that to get leverage. Yeah. You want your team to get better hasn't been that way for the past few seasons. You can't do it properly, you start doing it publicly. Well, he's just doing it to make the team look bad. Well, when you give a decade or so of your career, of your life, to an organization, you would hope that you get something out of it and not a complete rebuild, especially into your early 30s. So, for people talking junk on Damian Lillard and saying this and that, that he's not worth it, that he's going to be injury prone, like, I get that, but I need y'all to, I'm not going to say educate yourselves, but just look who Damian Lord is, look what he's been through, look at the talent he's had for his entire career. There's a reason why he's asking to be in a win-now opportunity, not a win-now opportunity in four years when he's 36, 37, and he's considering retirement. I do believe that Damian Lillard is the type of guy that would stay loyal to a team. I think he's very loyal. I think he's very loyal like Devin Booker. I think he's very loyal like Stephen Curry. Even though Curry had more success than Lillard, I I think there's a lot to that. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo could be put on that list. There's a lot of loyal guys that just wants to remain loyal to that one team. Kobe, he's remained loyal. So there was a lot of guys. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, there's a lot, a lot of guys. And There's a lot of guys who just get traded when they actually want to just stay with that one team. So there's a lot of loyal guys. I don't think we punish a man that wants to stay loyal. And if he's publicly airing out his frustrations, let him do that because he's been pulling up with this garbage, quote-unquote garbage, for the past decade. I, I think we're getting on to a decade. He's been with... I've seen the Trailblazer since two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve. I, it's it's he he's been there. He's been there for a very long time, and I think people forget to realize that. Yeah, he's been here since twenty twelve. That's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he's still giving you 25, 4, and 6 a night. A night. Like, that's just amazing. So, what does this mean for the Trailblazers? Damian Lillard wants a win now. Opportunity. Which means the Trailblazers either trade a star player. To trade for a star player. Or they trade a Lillard. Do so I think it's a possibility that he's on this roster come today because I, I don't know what happens as I'm recording as well into the late night of Wednesday morning Tuesday night Wednesday morning I don't know if a trade's gonna be announced today I don't know if it's gonna be a NBA trade NBA draft trade are they in a rush They say to the Lord, look, we're going to make this move. But when we make this move, just know you're no longer a part of these future plans. You've been great, but we're training you. You've been great, but now you got to move on. I'm sorry, but we're entering rebuild mode. This is going to be the best for both sides. New opportunities to explore, new journeys, new paths, whatever. Whatever it would be. But I think what we would come to understand is that, and this is my personal opinion, the Trailblazers will most likely trade him. I don't have any sources. I've not been talking to anyone recently. And to be honest, not a lot of people have been. One, open up to me about that information regarding my questions, my concerns. Maybe I could get someone. Maybe I could talk to someone. Who knows? But. Here's my per- here's my professional personal opinion. He's no longer on this team. Portland will draft Scoot Henderson with the third overall pick. They're not going to trade out. They're not going to trade out. They're definitely not going to trade out. And they're going to get rid of Damian Lillard. They're going to get rid of Damian Lillard. They're going to go full rebuild mode, full rebuild mode by tra- by trading Damian Lord. They're going to commit to that, and I know Damian lord has been talked to. I know he's been kept in the loop, so he's not going to pull one of those situations where he was surprised. He's going to know. He's going to know. And he also has four years left on his contract, so I have a pretty interesting trade proposal Between the Trailblazers and Pelicans. Pelicans won against the top three of the draft. That's not going to happen. But, I think they're going to settle. And I don't mean settle like that. But I mean, okay, we can't... So, take it from the Pelicans' perspective. Okay, we can't get the third overall or second overall pick. And definitely not the first overall pick. That's cool. That's fine. How about we go and trade for Damian Lillard? What if we already give that proven shot creator, that proven offensive genius, Damian Lillard, who would be under our control for many seasons, who's a solid uh, point guard slash shooting guard? How will we get that done? How will we get that done? I think, obviously, you have to give up this year's draft pick. This first overall, this first round draft pick, the 14th pick that they have. They give that up. They give up a 2029 first rounder. Then they give up Kira Luce Jr. He's on an expiring contract. It was on a team option. He, um, they signed and trade him. But then you give up primary ball handler, the man who has been credited to bringing new life into the New Orleans Pelicans organization. C.J. McCollum makes a return. He makes a return to Portland. Where he was gone for, what, two to three seasons? Two seasons when I'm looking this up. Because he's been there for a minute. He's been there. But would you want to have that reunion? He's 31. He came in a year later, 2013, for Portland. But yeah, he's been there for two seasons. Do you just say the hack with it? Like he's no longer 29, 30. CJ is who he is, even though he's still remaining very healthy and very active for this team and very loyal to his team. Would you do that trade? Would you do the trade? If I'm the Trailblazers, I say yes. If I'm the Trailblazers, I say yes. Because yes, he's older. Yes, it may not be the direction that they should necessarily go in. But, Apple looking at a mentorship. What if you go into the mentorship program you're like, Hey, CJ, we want you back. We gave up Damien. He didn't want to come here. He didn't want to stay here anymore. But we want to bring you back. So you can teach Scoot Henderson. Because it will go Wemby. Then it will go Miller. And then we'll select Henderson and you'll be the guy to lead him, to build him up, to encourage him, to model him into what Portland stands for, what their culture is like, how they run their system, all this stuff. He could be the lead guy. He gets paid and in a season or two, he can leave. But that's not the worst trade in the world. And that's a very realistic trade because the Pelicans aren't that inclined to trade Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson. Even though they're fielding offers for Zion, not so much for Brandon Ingram. He's almost like untouchable unless it's some glorious trade that you cannot deny. I think you could try to gauge the value of CJ McCollum. But I would not be surprised if we saw a reunion. I would not be surprised at all. Because now you'll be having the blazers of Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, uh, Scoo Henderson, and uh, uh, Norwich, Joseph Norwich, with Jamal, I'm not sorry, not Jamal, CJ McCollum, being back and being in a mentor, uh, mentor, uh, mentorship role, being in a mentor role. And I think that's something the Pelicans should also consider because while it benefits the Blazers and they should mull over it, the Pelicans should absolutely do the same. Should absolutely do the same. I think it would be ridiculous if they didn't. Because now you're in a more of a win-now situation. Um, You... C.J. May... Damian Lillard is probably better than C.J. McCollum. They're close. But... I would go get... I would go get Dame. You could have him with Brandon Ingram. You could have him with Zion. You could have him with Dyson Daniels. That... That... That team... I think... Uh, um... Who's their big man? Um, for whatever reason, Jonas chunez is coming to my mind. But I didn't think... I saw he played for the Grizzlies. This is super embarrassing. No, he's no, no, he's still there. I'm just... I'm really just an idiot then. Never mind. I was thinking of... <sighs> Steven Adams. It's, it's fine. It's been one of those days for me. But then you would have... Look, then you would have Zion, Brandon... Trey Murphy, Ho- uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Jose Aldo, Alvarado, uh, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, Josh Richardson if he does want to come back. But that's not the worst team ever. And now you're adding more firepower through Damian Lillard. You get the 14th overall pick. And I think you could try to get somebody. I think you could try to either use, I, I think you could use that pick to trade, or, you know, better yet, you would just try to get someone in draft. Which, with the 14th overall pick, you s- slide right into the lottery, and now, you're able to do something with it. Now, the Blazers could, yeah, the Blazers, theoretically, could do something with the 14th overall pick, and I'm sorry I keep bouncing between the two, but I... I find this a win-win for both teams. I think the Pelicans would be good with Damian Lillard. Add to another year that would take him to 36. He'd probably retire next season or two, depending on how his body holds up. He finishes out this contract. I think this would be a reunion in the making. I would not be opposed to this at all. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest, I know we're gonna talk about this later, but I, and I know that this ruins my article in a way, but I was talking about Keontae George. I don't know if you know him or not, but uh, he's a terrific guard. Like, I like him, and I believe, I believe he can go earlier than 14th, but I really do believe he's going to be selected by New Orleans if they keep the pick. So, if the Pelicans keep the pick, it's going to be Keontae George. Because I believe that he could be mentored by CJ McCall. I would let him learn from one of the best of the game. And I would just... I would... Man, Keontae George, you want to talk about that about a guy that has the ability to take contact... And physically bully, mentally and physically bully defenders of any size, that would make them appealing to so many scouts. The intensity this 19 year old has is more than some 20, 30 year olds would have who are in the NBA. And that's something the New Orleans covets greatly. So I was I have talking about Keontae George the 14th overall pick. Who, who, the Blazers, who would the, so let's just say the Blazers decided to get the 14th overall pick because they decided to trade. Who could that be? Who could that be? Um, Let's, uh, let's think, could they also get another guard? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know if they really do need... Another guard. I think you need more of a big man. So I think you would have to go in the route of. Okay. Is there like a forward slash. Slash center that we could get out of. This? I don't know. I don't know. But. I do like the ability of them. Going into the 14th. um, Going to third and 14th. So you have some flexibility there. You have some flexibility there. But obviously, number three is going to be covered greatly with Screw Henderson coming to their team. I honestly do believe that. And I don't know if that's just me, but that's where I'm at currently. So, no, longer sure of this in my mock trade and in this entire situation of involving Damian Lillard. I think he's going to be traded. Just the Blazers are not going to be giving up their third overall pick. I can't confirm or deny whether they're trading Damian Lillard, but if they keep the pick and they go off Scott Scoot Henderson, then they're implying and they're pretty much telling the world publicly that they're entering a rebuild. Something that Dame Time does not want to enter. And that in turn, will force Dame time to be like, you know what? I'm out. I can't do this anymore. You won't respect me. I'm out. I asked for one thing. You didn't want to grant it. Y'all want to rebuild. Peace. That's how it's going to be played out. At least those are the scenarios. And this is going to be a big story surrounding the draft. Surrounding the draft. I think it's going to be a great draft story in terms of where what happens. Because it doesn't have to immediately happen before the f- first overall pick. This can happen after the third overall pick. This can happen at, uh, hours before the draft. This can happen at the tenth overall pick or right at the fourteenth overall pick. I'm telling you, something big's gonna happen. Something big's gonna happen. And the, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue now, but the reason why I believe and I I I didn't need anyone to confirm this. I knew the Hornets were going to be selecting Brandon Ingram. That wasn't too hard, especially if you're looking from a positional fit. Why would you want to have two ball-dominant players when you can have a great second option behind Lamella Ball scoring-wise? And Woj confirmed that Brandon Miller is most likely the second overall pick. He further solidified himself as the right pick for the Hornets. And through the interviews, and through the second round of interviews and workouts, he appeared to be more comfortable there. It appeared that Michael Jordan had a really good conversational look in, um, in person of both Scoot and Brandon, but it just seems like Miller is just better than Henderson in the eyes of Jordan when it comes to being a positional fit, Just being what the Hornets covet, what the Hornets cherish in the player. And this is a spot they really needed. They didn't need another ball-dominant guard. They didn't need another... Almost always needs the ball. They just did not need another guard. They really didn't. Their backcourt didn't need it. But now their frontcourt, they could use Brandon Miller. They could obviously use Brandon Miller. I'm going to touch on that in a bit, but... Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN has confirmed that Brandon Miller is most likely going to be going to the Shaw Hornets, which is no surprise to me. Maybe to some, but to me, this has been planned out a couple weeks in advance if you do want to say, okay, if if there's like some projectability. I don't even know if that's a word, but if there was some projection on that. I I get that the talent is in favor of Henderson, but the fit and just who the Hornets desperately need, it's in Brandon Miller. It's in Brandon Miller. So go Wemby, Miller, and Henderson. Those will be the top three guys going in that order from one to three. Obviously. Now watch the Spurs just do a complete complete shocker and they drafts Henderson over Wemby. That would be really funny. Never going to happen, even in different dimensions. I'm just saying. That would be really, really funny. Our next draft news is going to be Amon Thompson. Quote, looks increasingly like the frontrunner, end quote, for the Houston Rockets to select at number four. That was Jeremy Woo of ESPN. Whoa. Woo. Jeremy Wu, uh, if I'm if saying your last name wrong, I'm sorry. I'm not good when pronouncing things. Y'all know that by now, but ESPN has come out to say that Ahmed Thompson, again, solidify himself. He's the front runner of the land with the Houston Rockets. And again, I'm not trying to be this dude, but go read my official lottery mock draft. This was before, this is almost like a week before, Everyone's like, oh, maybe Ahmed's going to go. But I was telling you guys. I was telling you guys that the Houston Rockets would be selecting Ahmed Thompson. I love him. I, I really do. I like both Thompson brothers. But Thompson, um, Ahmed here, is an explosive player that can thrive on both sides of the ball. Now... Is there a concern of him not having a solid jump shot? Sure, but his rim attacking abilities and his playmaking abilities will have him sitting as one of the main cornerstone pieces for this Houston franchise that they so desperately need. I'm telling you he's going to be a secondary star, you just watch. He's going to be a secondary star for Houston. He will be an up and up and coming Rising star. Watch it. He may need time to adjust in the NBA. But I think Ahmed Thompson has proved to the Houston Rockets that he's valuable at number four. And should go first after the projected top three guys. That's just my opinion. That's my opinion. I also like the other Thompson brother. I'm going to speak about him later. And the reason why I said take Azir Thompson, Azir, I'm an idiot, please. I need need this universe to punch some common sense or just some intelligence into me so I'm able to do this. But I'm going to talk about that later. But I just find it really funny how a lot of things I said in this mock draft is becoming more and more reality. But now it only matters if they actually get drafted in real life and beyond these mock drafts. Then that's really why I only created one mock draft. Because I'm like, if you look at the lottery, I wouldn't change anything really. I made it so it could be like this one and done. So when you guys see it, it was never modified. It was never revised. What I say is what I mean. And when I say this player's gonna go there, I mean it, and I'm not gonna change it. Because I'm very, very confident in this draft. I really am. I've seen the force i I've seen the first four top i think the first four picks are going to be locked in. Now watch them hose me. Watch them mess with me. That would be really fun. The Houston Rockets are like, you know what? Walker, or the other Thompson brother, come here, buddy, or Whitmore. Because there were more people are saying, Cam Whitmore, just come to the team. And I like Cam Whitmore, but for the Rockets, I would take Thompson. I would take on Thompson. That's just me. Now, I want to talk to you guys about some opt-ins and opt-outs. Starting with Gary Trent Jr. of the Tor- uh, Toronto Raptors, he will be opting into his $18.5 million player option for the 23-24 season. The Raptors and him, uh, per multiple reports, will be looking to extend him. Both sides want a deal to get done. Both sides want to remain I I don't want to say loyal, but want to stay committed to each other. So, don't be surprised that this offseason a deal does get done or they get a heck of a lot closer. A heck of a lot closer. So, don't be surprised about that. I do like Gary Trent Jr. I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a really solid piece. He's only 24, my ad. So his his potential is skyrocketing. Because I remember last season, he had a 17.2 rebound, one assist, one steal season off of 43.3% for the field and 37% from deep. So I'm just saying, this was a former second round pick who came out of Duke being like, okay, could he be something? I, th- I think he can be. I, I honestly do believe that. I can I, I wanna look at I wanna look at like his game log. I don't know if it was showing me his entire that's not what I want, just I stats, thank you. I'm trying just to see. Cause remember, he played a lot of time for Portland, free seasons for Portland until being traded in the 2020 21 season to Toronto And he's just been thriving ever since, so he's a very solid player that's on the up-and-up, a former second-rounder. There's been a lot of second-round guys, speaking about the draft, that has just been blossoming and being a very vital role for an organization. I'm just going to say it now. I know the obvious would be Nikhil Jokic, but speaking of the talents of Gary Trent Jr., where he's at, I'm very excited for him, and I'm hoping that he does get a pretty good deal. And I also, I know Fred VanVleet was undrafted. He was not a second-rounder, but for most guys that go in the second round, that is like being undrafted. It's just not officially listed as undrafted, if that makes sense. So, Toronto knows a thing or two about giving underdog players an opportunity to rise and shine when the criteria is met by the organization or by that player for the organization or however you want to say it. So... That's the opt-in. That was the opt-out. And this was going to happen, so this was really never a surprise, but the Washington Wizards have been informed by Kyle Kuzma and his camp that he's not opting into his player option. Come July 1st, he will officially be a unrestricted free agent. Come July 1st. And I think his per option was only like $14, 18000000 million, somewhere around there. It wasn't that high. Look, I would love to have $14, 18000000 for a year. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But in terms of NBA land and how much guys are going to pay now, it's going to be like $50, $60, 70000000 million per year. Fourteen, eighteen just doesn't cut it anymore, which is pretty crazy. Probably should talk about that sometime on my podcast, but not now. But Kyle Kuzma, look, you're entering rebuild mode. And there's teams like the Phoenix Suns who are not going to be knocking down his door. There's going to be other teams reaching out for him. I don't know if the Rockets were a team or the Trailblazers were a team. He could try to go in California. He could try to go to the... Um, he could just try to go to California. He could try to go to Arizona. There's different possibilities. There really are different possibilities. I don't know where Kyle Kuzma will be favored heavily. I I know people in the Valley because I live in Arizona. My I I religiously follow the Phoenix Suns. That is legit my job. But people love the twenty-seven-year-old. People want this forward. If. <laughs> If I was the Phoenix Suns, and if I'm a fan, I'd been like, huh, kind of wish they opted in because it could have been a sign-and-trade. Still could be a sign... Could still been a sign-and-trade where, hey, we'll give you this big contract, but we're going to trade you. But at that point, why would he... But does it really matter? Because he's still getting the same amount of money. But both sides would benefit i don't know like what do want to do A sign and trade or would he just want to say hey can we go there but if he wants to play for the phoenix suns then he would do the sign and trade because the suns have a lot to work around and i think they're like a second apron team so there there's a lot of financial uh complexities to trying to get uh starter like players to get bigger names that's not going to be going on veteran minimums and minimums in general. I don't even know if the Suns have a mid-level exception. I have no idea. I have to look into that more. I have to look into more. Also, as a side note for the Suns, they're going to be drafting in the second round, but it's going to be between the 52nd pick and the 57th pick. So one of those two draft picks will be ours. I It really doesn't matter, but... That's what uh, Gambo from Arizona Sports was saying. So, I hope we get someone that we can use for death. Maybe we could try to get a defensive guy for my man Frank Vogel. I I don't know. I would have to sit down, but it's not like we're jumping up and down for that 50-second pick. (coughs) Pardon me. I ran off of power rates, so... My voice is just very raw right now. It's just very fatigued. I've done a, I've done a lot of talking, a lot of movement prior to this recording, but it would be very interesting if he does come back. I think you bring back a guy, you are from an enormous bag. Because it's like, hey, twenty one seven free, of a forty five percent from the field, thirty three percent from deep. You do that. You do that. I don't know. I still think that a new deal remains a possibility for him to return to Washington. I I don't think that he will go anywhere else. I think he could I think the front-runners right now are the Wizards. I think the Celtics, if you're me correctly, will try to entertain we try to entertain him, but there's there's going to be a market for him. It's not going to be a DeAndre market where it's very lean and teams are sitting through. I think that when it comes to Kyle Kuzma, there's going to be a lot more teams like the Phoenix Suns, like the Rockets, like the Celtics that are going to be lining up in, intrigued by the possibility of getting Kyle Kuzma, who's in his prime right now at 27 years old, and getting 21-7 per game. You don't, I don't think people understand how badly teams want that and how essential it is to an organization's success in the regular and postseason. So it is something that has to be taken into account. Obviously, you guys know that, but I'm just bringing up the further clarify. further clarify. Right, so that's where we're at with the opt-ins and opt-outs. And speaking about the Boston Celtics, do not think that they're trading Jalen Brown. So per multiple reports, and I've seen this came out of the Boston Globe, correct me if I am wrong, but I believe it did come out of the Boston Globe. The Boston Celtics do not intend to trade Jalen Brown this offseason, and everything is pointing towards him and the Celtics agreeing to the five-year ninety-five $295 super million, $295 million Supermax extension. It's legit going to cost the Celtics $600 million just in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown when all the contracts kick in and everything's official. That's mind-blown. People talk about Matt Ishmael going all in. Yeah, at least we're getting like... Four guys versus their two, if you want to include the drain But to each their own, especially for the Celtics, this all ties in. They have the roster. They've been to the finals, lost to the Warriors, but they've been to the finals, took it to six games, fought their hearts out, had the coaching controversy. Now they have a pretty solid coach in Joe Mazzula. And now okay, they're going to shut down the rumors on Jalen Brown. I didn't think Jalen Brown was really going to leave. I thought there was some friction. I thought there was some created chaos, but I didn't think it was going to be enough to drive him out. Sure, did I feel the flames making them spread? Sure, but I never really, really truly thought that the Celtics were going to let him walk or that Jalen Brown was going to leave his duo, that was going to leave. Jason Tatum high and dry. I didn't think that was going to be the case. And he he hasn't signed anything. So there's still a possibility that there is a departure. But I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But this team is set for success. From the coaching staff, front office, to the players. Like, this team has a pretty good core. Has pretty good players that have built chemistry and trust amongst one another. And they put at a high level, sure, that this last postseason was rocky and fans, especially Boston fans, were overreacting a lot and just reacting to everything. But I think this is going to be very, very good, very, very positive. So I don't think they should move on from Brown. I, I, I think it would be a mistake if they moved on from JB. But that is ultimately just my opinion. Remember, if you guys want to let me know your opinions, DM me on Twitter or any social media outlet. Or if you want to find my phone number, go ahead. You can definitely message me. I have no problem. I love interacting with fans of the NBA. So, if you guys ever want a conversation, hit me up. You know where to find me. If that said, I want to talk about the Clippers. I want to talk about the Clippers. Oh, how they have tried and tried and tried. Steve Ballmer is pouring his heart and soul into this team beyond the money. He may die with this team very early because of this team. But I don't know what you do now. The, the, The Clippers put together a team, but it just got messed up. It got derailed the in injuries. To, due to injuries, this team has never been able to grow together. And now, the Los Angeles Clippers have given teams the impression that they are at the very least trying to gauge the trade value of Paul George and giving consideration to, to the possibility of actually trading him. The two teams that are very interested in trading for him are the Houston Rockets and Paul and Trailblazers. To me, that's very interesting. The Blazers also trying to trade for Bam but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Do I think the Heat should try to trade him? Bam is an up and down player. Some nights he's scorched hot, some nights he's ice cold, and you really just want to die from hypothermia. You just want to die. Like, you don't even want to watch those games. There was nothing enjoyable. He'd go 9 of 27 again. With limited production. But anyways. Anyways. I'm not a Heat fan or anything. But uh, the the, the Clippers are going to have a lot to discuss. The Clippers going to have to sit down and be like, is PG staying? Is PG-13 the guy? Can the Claw and him play together? Can Kawhi and him coexist? They can't. But what do we do with Russell Westbrook? How do we reconstruct this team because it has to be differently? And people are like, trade for Damian Lillard. No, nah, you kind of can't do that because they're not in that type of situation. to say, okay, let's just go create a big four. I don't think that would work. So what would be the trade value for Paul George? I think one or two first-rounders, I think you get one to two players, one star-like player, all-star-like player, the one filler player, maybe it has to be a sour matcher, but a deaf player that could still provide value. Just like Jordan Goodwin provided value for the Suns and Brad trade alongside Isaiah Todd, but Isaiah Todd is more of a long-term project where Jordan Goodwin Ho, 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 we can use him this season. I'm actually very excited for Jordan Goodwin and all of the good stuff I've been hearing about him. But now here comes the big question. What did the, the Clippers do? I, I honestly don't know. And I know I have like an answer for everything, but this time around, I just don't have an answer. The Clippers are a very complex and intriguing organization because when they seem like they were on the up-and-up, it got derailed by injuries and other setbacks and obstacles. Like, the challenges were just enormous. And they could be firing their head coach. Remember, I made that prediction of Ty being fired next offseason. I truly do believe that. I think there's going to be crossing roads. Wouldn't be surprised. Also wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers ran back to Doc Rivers. I'm kidding. Sort of. Kind of. But what do the Clippers do? I don't have a mock trade because you're going to have to gauge the value. There's going to have to say, okay, Paul George has been very, very injury prone. Like his entire body, if not put in a full body wrap if he's not wrapped from head to toe if he's not in a full body cast then he has a very good like uh very good probability of getting injured and he's not getting younger he's 33 years old he's been doing this rider die dance with the Los Angeles Clippers since July 10th of 2019 He's still, when healthy, he's still pumped 24, 6, 5, and, and 1.5. But I think there is, I think there's a real, I don't want to say this, I think there's a real sense of the Clippers, and this is per Mark Stein. So this isn't just some flimsy report. But they're giving real consideration to the idea of dissemb- uh, disassembling the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George duo. I think they're going to do it. I think they keep Kawhi. Personally, I would keep PG over the call. And I'm not saying that George is better than Leonard, but at least he plays a little more. And he, he's not trying to rehab from a knee injury. Whereas Kawhi Leonard, it's been a little tougher. His rehab has been tougher. But now who's played more games? Uh, Probably. Oh boy. Probably Paul George. Just because he didn't have to miss an entire season. Look, this... This has been very, very poor for the Clippers. I don't know where they go next. I would have to do a deep dive on this team, and maybe I do it for tomorrow. But if you got teams like the Blazers and the Rockets, the the Blazers de- are definitely giving up their fourth our uh, third overall pick, and the Rockets are giving up their fourth overall pick. So the picks are gonna have to come later. If they get any, but you have to also this that Chris Paul could be headed back to the Clippers. That's a very real possibility. The reunion could be there. The Wizards didn't really want them. They wanted D.A., but they couldn't get that. They got shut down due to no trade clause in the contract of Brad Beal. So they were tied up, and they were just very desperate, a very desperate team. But when you look at the starting five, you have Bones, or not starting five... But when you look at the top five players, you have Bones, Highland. You have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook. But these guys really never play together. Especially Russ, Kawhi, and Paul. So I don't know where you go by this. I don't know where you go with this. The Clippers have such an interesting... They have a very interesting... Road, because when you look at this team and you look at this team of Terrence Mann, Eric Gordon, Norm Powell, Marcus Morris Sr., Mason Plumley, uh, Robert Covington, and of course the starting five of uh, Zubox and Nicholas Batum and Kawhi and Paul and Ross, like you think these guys could do something? Like this team could come together and win a championship, or at least be Finals bound. Sure, but it's just been flopping ever since, and it's not really their fault. It's just they've been playing this position of injuries and challenges and other downsides and upsides. Like, the future is not bright. I'm not saying they're going to trade him, and I'm not saying they aren't going to trade him. I'm just saying it's a toss-up right now. My heart could be leaning towards that they're going to trade him. They've given this uh, experiment enough time where they're like, okay, we probably need to move off from one of these two guys. And Paul George probably has more trade value than Kawhi Leonard. Just because he's been playing more and he's a little more healthy. He's a little healthier. So I think that's where we need to be at right now. But it's just going to get really, really ugly for the Clippers. What they saw was a good idea has turned out to be a very poor decision. And it's neither side's fault. Just, the injury bug had gone to him. It's just, it ran rampant. And that's a very, very critical, critical downside for both Paul George and the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, lastly, last piece of, of breaking news around the league. Then we'll jump into our topic of the day. Again, which is going for the lottery draft. Or, yeah, like just a lottery portion of the draft. And seeing how each team's roster will shape up after their selection. Which is actually very interesting. I'm going to get to that. We'll go for all 14 picks. And, of course, I'm going to detail it a lot more. I'm going to detail the entire first round. Primarily, um... Thursday because it's the day of the draft, so tomorrow, right? So, before I get to that, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz have made Colin Sexton available in trade talks. This offseason could be the death of Utah and Sexton's relationship. Like Colin Sexton, who originally did play for the Cavaliers, he's only 24, mind you, but 14 Two and three is not very appealing when you're owed $54.5 million over the next three years. And there are, uh, there's going to be a market for them. There's definitely going to be a market. And Jake Fisher was reporting this. And I know people are very skeptical of Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. But mm, I don't know how credible. Jake Fisher is just because of how wrong he usually is, given the fans' pain. That's not my opinion. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But that's what the fans say. But I would not be surprised if he's gone. Like, his durability is somewhat of a concern. It's very much a concern. Like, durability is so much of a concern because... $54.5 $54.5 million over the next three seasons before hitting for agency is very concerning when the guy's only playing 48 games. 48 games this past season. And the problem is people now see him as a role player who can either start or come off the bench. And that's a problem, especially when you signed a huge contract after the Donovan Mitchell trade when you came here. When it looked like he was going to be a very important part of the Utah's franchise, of the Utah's uh, future. When he signed to that four year $82 million deal, man, how far has he dropped when he averaged 20 games? I'm sorry, 20 points per game during his four-year tenure with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now of the Utah Jazz, he can't be healthy, and it's just been falling apart ever since. And I do believe he's going to be traded. I just think Utah's going in a different direction. I really do believe that Utah is going in a different direction. Oh, there's my phone. We'll be going into a different direction. And I think Danny Age will be one of the biggest shot callers because he is he serves as an executive for the Jazz. I don't think that changed. You also remember out of the 1981 draft, fun fact, he was a second round pick. So, set for second rounders. So that is that is where we're going right now. That's This is going to be very interesting. I feel bad for Colin Sexton. I like Colin Sexton a lot. It's just his durability has not been up there. Now he's acting more like a role player who could start a few games, but primarily come off the bench. And I hate saying that, but there is a great deal of truth within the statement I have provided and that many people have provided. So I think we could see it. I think we could see the end of Colin Sexton, who was a former eighth overall pick, a former lottery pick on top of it. But as you know, Josh Jackson was also a lottery pick. But of course, the Phoenix Suns just had to select him. We also selected Alex Lund. Okay, I'm not bitter. Okay, I'm very bitter. But you guys get where I'm coming from. So, it's just, you took a risk on him. You took a gamble. But now when you're gauging his trade value, who really wants to pay $54.5 million over the next three seasons for a... Better than average role player who still is a credible starter when healthy. That's where you're going to have to gauge. And how many teams need that type of guard? Whom? How many teams actually need that type of player? And he's only 24. So take that into consideration. Take that into consideration big time. I don't know. The, just like... Paul George, I don't know where we go from here. I don't think Jazz know where they're going from here, even though they made him available. I don't know how many teams reached out. That would be something interesting to know. But this is the end of our... Oh, pardon me. This is the end of our breaking news around the league. Now, I want to get to topic of the day. We're gonna go, go We're gonna be going through the lottery portion of the draft and seeing how each team's roster will shape up after their selection. And again, I highly encourage you guys to be going off Courts of Heat's official lottery mock draft. You can find it on Courtsheat.com or on Twitter.com slash Heat. We so the 14 picks, if you're not familiar, they are the San this is Going From One to Fourteen. The San Antonio Spurs, Charlotte Hornets, Portland Trail Blazers, Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, Indiana Pacers, Washington Wizards, Utah Jazz, Dallas Mavericks, Orlando Magic, um, Oklahoma City Thunder, Toronto Raptors, and New Orleans Pelicans. This official lottery mock draft does not include any trades. Because I just wanted to keep it straightforward. Because I, I didn't think that in the end the Blazers would be trading. And I, I didn't think that many teams would. But who knows. Who knows. So starting out with the obvious. The San Antonio Spurs. Like Victor Weminyama is going to a head coach. Going to a team whose head coach loves big man. He had that with... David Aldridge, I'm sorry, why did, I, why did I just say David Aldridge, why did I just say, okay, I meant David Robinson, yeah, you know him, and Tim Duncan, he's always had a thing for big men, and I guess uh, maybe you could classify Kawhi, because does Kawhi classify himself as a big man? Uh, hold on, I'm looking, I'm looking, okay, I'm looking, okay, I'm looking, okay, I'm looking. Okay, okay. Small forward shooting guard, so you could classify as a big man if you wanted to. I don't know, I don't know. But you guys know where I'm going with this. You saw with the Admiral, you saw with Mr. Fundamentals, and you saw with the Claw to a certain extent. To me, this is going to be Great. Like I really do believe the Spurs are gonna have a a pretty decent season. They could make a run for a playing spot. I'm not gonna put that past them. Even though they were 22 and 60 last season, they could be a 30, 40 win team with the addition of Victor Wembanyama. And if they trade for Deandre because why let Victor Wembanyama get beat up? Let him develop his body. Let him develop his just his physique, really, that's what I mean by body, and just his overall playing style, transitioning from um, other leagues into the main competitive league, the NBA. Let him just do that, where he gets used to the physicality, all the different roles, everything like that. Just how the NBA operates, functions, stuff like that. And I guess operating functions is the same word, but never mind. But you would see a starting lineup of Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Kellen Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, and Zach Collins. But that's assuming Victor Wameyama does not start. But Victor Wameyama would probably take the spot either Kellen Johnson or Jeremy Sohan. He's probably taking power forward. So, uh, yeah, just put... Jeremy Sohan in the second lineup. Where first lineup is definitely going to be Victor Wamiyama. Now, Zach Collins. Trade for DA. Now you can have a guy for like two to three seasons. Let Victor Wamiyama develop on his own. With the Spurs. You know where I'm going with this. You let him settle. You let him build a physique. And he doesn't have to get beat up on DeAndre can take that. He could work with Greg Popovich. Maybe Greg can t- untap something. I highly doubt that. And I'm not saying it because it's Greg Popovich. I'm just saying because I don't think any coach could really. Disp- no matter how much enthusiasm or optimism you have towards it. You can't untap anything in D.A. He he is who he is. He also showed his hand when he played for Arizona. When he played at college. So... Just letting that be known, but if you could have, like, a starting lineup, like, Trey Jones, Devin Vassal, Kellen Johnson, Victor Wamiyama, and DeAndre, that would not be bad, but when you're looking at this, I wonder how much Dejounte Murray wishes he'd be back on the Spurs because he could legit be playing with one of the greatest prospects, if not the greatest prospects in sports history. Man, I wonder how he feels right about now. I don't know, he's with the Hawks, so... At least they're contending for the postseason. It's better than being 22 and 60. Right? So, you have that. But this roster does have a lot to go through. They have a lot to try to swim past and navigate. But that starting five is not bad. Wemby's definitely going to make it better. Definitely going to make it better. I've been talking about the Hornets. I don't know how long, but we're transitioning over to the Hornets. And I just like to say that the Hornets drafting Brandon Miller will be one of the greatest decisions they ever make. Okay, greatest is like an exaggeration, but you guys know where I'm going with this. Because you can legit put P.J. Tucker in a second or Gordon Hayward in a second. But Brandon Miller is going to land with the Charlotte Hornets. It's been confirmed. I just really do believe the duo of him and LaMelo is going to be something special. And while this roster, 27-55 last season, is mediocre at best, having, having Terry Rozier... I think Scary Terry is his nickname, I don't know. But you have, like, Taro Gere, Kelly Oubre Jr., Gordon Hayward, Brandon Miller. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Kelly Oubre is not the starter. I'm looking at that wrong. It would be Lamella Ball. So you would have Taro Gere, Lamella Ball, Gordon Hayward, um, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. That's pretty solid. You can't hate it that much. At least in my opinion, I don't think you can hate it that much. So, they're going to have a very interesting lineup. I'm not saying it's going to automatically make them a playoff team. I'm just saying they could be a 30, 40, I think they could be like a 40 win team. 35 games, probably, but that's very, very good improvement. That's very, very good improvement. And the Hornets should be proud of themselves for that. I'm not, I'm not being funny when I say that I legit mean that. I, I I do. And I would like to say, oh, if they get Screw Henderson, watch out. It could be him and Damian Lillard. No, I'm assuming at this point Damian Lord gets traded, but they're gonna get Screw Henderson. It'll be like Screw Henderson, Anthony Simons, Shane Sharp, Jeremy Grant, and Joseph Nervich. That's actually not that bad. They're easily a 40-45 win team. Easily 40-45 win team. Without Dame time. I think it would be better without game time at this point. Just start the rebuild. But if you go full into the rebuild, you know what that means. They're, they could tank, but they could be hovering around 33 wins again. But I honestly do believe they could win 40 games. 35-40 games. You try to fight for a playing spot. They could be a playing contender. Not going to lie. So you take that as you may. But the the Blazers, while they may be technically going into a rebuild, it's it's looking pretty bright. Their future is looking pretty, pretty bright. It's looking special. It's looking special. And I, I, I don't think you can disregard And their attempts at all of trying to be a good roster. Now, where the Houston Rockets are going to be trying to find their way, they're going to select Amon Thompson, but they have a very interesting lineup that would consist of, and this is just their current five, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Kenyon Martin Jr., Jabari Smith Jr., and Alperen Tagoon. They have a lot of juniors on that team. Like, I never realized how many juniors they had on that team. I, I just can't believe that. But I said they're going to select a 20-year-old point guard. And I think they're going to take Kevin Porter Jr. out of the starting rotation, starting lineup. And they're going to have, like, Jalen Green, Kaelin Martin Jr., Jabari Smith Jr., and Alperen Sengun paired alongside... Um, Ahmed Thompson. I would like that. I I would like that a lot. I really do. I because I think that his playmaking abilities makes him a better and his rim tagging abilities makes him a better point guard than either shooting guard because of that jump shot. Because it's not the most solidified jump shot ever. It's not the most incredible jump shot ever. But he he is an explosive player. That would benefit the Rockets greatly as a secondary star and a primary playmaker and rim attacker that the Houston Rockets desperately need. Because while Kevin Porter Jr. was balling out with 19.5 and 5 off 44% from the field, yeah, I'm not going to be relying upon him in the future that much, but he could come off the bench. I don't think they would be taking Jalen Green out of the starting lineup, considering he has like 22 free and free per game. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Also, do I know something? Um, I, I don't know if I know this or not, but Jock Lindell, surprisingly, is still on the Houston Rockets. He's backing up uh, Kevin Porter Jr., and this is on ESPN right now. This is no joke. I guess that he signed with the Rockets. Yeah, that didn't happen. He didn't sign with the Rockets. Trust me, I would have been all over that. Jock will be returned to the Suns. I, I just think that's a glitch, obviously. Just to make sure I'm just gonna check the Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah, I'm I I would be pretty shocked. But uh yeah, so Jacqueline is apparently on the Houston Rockets now. That's nice. Now, the Detroit Pistons is very interesting to me. Because you can go in multiple directions. You can go multiple directions. Oh. You know, you could have done this between Cam Whitmore and Jarius Walker. But I think Walker's going to be selected by the Detroit Pistons. Because beyond the fact that Monty Williams can coach wing players and mold them, he'll be great alongside Jalen Duran. Imagine Detroit's front court for a second. The biggest need for the Pistons is a wing player. Whoops. Their biggest need is wing. Because they're fine at the guard and center position. Like you see Killian Hayes and... Jay and Ivy, they're fine. They're fine. And you see, James Wiseman and Jalen Durden, they're fine. But where you're really struggling is Bodon Ivanovic. He's not bad, but limited. Marvin Bagley, bad, but not limited. Maybe he can re- Maybe he can just redefine his career. Cause 12 and six is not bad, but 12 and six is more second lineup than first lineup. So, Jarius Walker would probably fit in where the current spot is being filled by Marvin Bagley. right? I Because he could play either forward position, but I think Bodon still gets that spot. Unless they covet, I, I just don't see Bodon going off the bench because who cares about the free rebound difference. He's getting you 21 free and 2 per game off of close enough, 49% from the field. Almost 50% shooting from the field. You do that all the time. You do that every day. So, Killian Hayes. And you gotta remember, say Cunningham's come back. K Cunningham's come back. So Killian Hayes is not going to be the starter. I'm just going off Jeff's chart that they have, but it would be, their new lineup would be Kay Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Bola Ivanovic, Walker, and James Wiseman. And people are like, oh, how about they just sign Cam Johnson? I would not be opposed against that. I would not be opposed against that. I would actually prefer it. I prefer if he went back to the Suns. They're wanting to see him leave. Same with Brooklyn Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. But I, I can't control what's going to happen and what's not going to happen, right? It, it, it just is what it is. But... That's where we're at nonetheless. So, I think Jarius Walker. Darius, I think that's how you do it. Uh Walker? Walker. So, I think they're going to go. I think they're going to go. Because he's a wrecking ball on both ends of the four. So, there's a reason why scouts are projecting him. And mock drafts are projecting him to go in the lottery or top five. So, we, I know he has his cons. Trust me. In the article that I have, it outlines some of his cons. But his pros outweigh the cons so much, and the pistons would benefit so much. Now directing our attention to the sixth overall pick, that's um home to the Orlando Magic. That is I'm I'm projecting Cam Whitmore. I think Cam Whitmore is easily Easily gonna go six overall. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if you saw Tom, uh, Ozier Thompson or Tara Hendricks going ahead of Cam Whitmore. I just, I could not see it. I know some people are like, Well, how about them? How about Anthony? But no. no, 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 it's gonna be Cam Whitmore. I'm projecting the forward, Cam Whitmore, to be selected with the sixth overall pick. Like, and I get to some find it risky for the Magic to select him, I find an amazing opportunity for both sides. Like, he'll fit in with Paul Panchero, he'll fit in with Anthony, I'm forgetting his first name. Uh, what Cole Anthony think. I was going to say Cole Anthony, but that, that's done the wrong in my head. Apparently, I was right. And the other players on that team, I think he's going to do very, very well. He can come in. I know he's a forward, but I think he can take Franz, Wag- Franz Wagner spots. Even though he's had like 18-4, three and a half. I don't know. Like, Pan Pancero. Yeah, no, he's a power forward, like Gary Harris. Like, can you swap out? No, he's a shooting guard. But Gary Harris, my guy, you're not the greatest. Like, um, small forward, shooting guards. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm experimenting right now because I can't remember if Cam Whitmore was just primarily a forward or if he could pull a guard. No, so he's just a small forward. Which makes sense for the eighteen-year-old, but if you can swap that around, how about Polio Panchero? It's powerful, small for yeah, no. So it's just gonna be one of those things I'm gonna have to try to reconstruct and just go through. But ultimately, I think Cam Whitmore is going to be that guy for the Orlando Magic because they have so much talent from. Uh, Franz Wagner, the Pa Panchero, Wendell Carter Jr. is not the worst either. You have Jalen Suggs there, Claimphony. You got a lot of guys going there. Mo Wagner, both Wagner brothers are there. Bobo, don't forget about Bobo. They really should be given a minutes. Not even gonna lie. He's averaging nine and five. Nine and five per game. And I don't know how many he's getting 27 minutes. Bro. Is he 20, how many minutes he's getting per game? I'm about to find out how many minutes he's getting per game. I need to know. He's getting 21 and a half minutes. That's not bad. That's that's clearly not bad. At least in my opinion. Number seven. Speaking about Tara Hendricks. The Indiana Pacers have number seven. I saw this between Isaiah Thomas and Tara Hendricks. But I believe Tara Hendricks would be the better fit. Than Ozzie or Thomas. I'm just going to be. I'm going to be. Very very. I'm going to be very open about that. Because I believe. Hendricks would be the better fit. Because their backcourt. Indy's backcourt is pretty stacked with quality talent. They are lacking for pieces. However in the frontcourt. Like some other teams we have detailed. Like the Charlotte Hornets. This area needs attention. And let me tell you the pairing of Hendricks and Miles Turner would be a very unique combination as this could be quite special. And he's such a versatile big man. The The Pacers need a versatile big man. They like that. Like, he could be used in the pick-and-roll game. He could use the pick-and-roll game to his advantage. He's a very impactful player on both ends of the court, and I think he would be friendly. G- he so could also be paired with another big man or another shooter. Like, if you look at this team, you have Tyrese Halburn, um, uh, you have Benning Matherin, you have Andrew Nemhard, who is averaging nine and a half, two, or nine and a half, three, and four and a half, right? It's not the worst, but then you have Aaron S. Smith, you have Buddy Hill, Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, do not forget about sticks, you have Chris Dwart. You have a pretty good team. A pretty, it's not the greatest, but it's not the worst. It still edged them out for 35 wins. I think if they were a little more solid, more consistent, I don't know if I forget if injuries got in the way, but once you add in, once you add in Tara Hendricks, oh, buddy, that's going to that's be fun. They can easily be a 40, 45 win team. Easily. I'm not going to put it past them. They can't be that type of team. I think that's going to be their goal. Now speaking about Azir Thomas, Ahmed's brother, the Thompson brothers, number eight, we have the Washington Wizards. Oh, buddy, do they have a rebuild? Do they have an absolute rebuild? And I outlined in the article that the future of Brad bill was looking bleak. With the Washington Wizards. That is why I I said they should just trade Brad Bill and select Thompson. Because the Wizards legit have no life when it comes to athleticism and playmaking. Like, Washington would be setting themselves up for success. Like, if you you can see the improvement of his three-point shot, you'd be surprised. How far it's come. But if it develops more, then you're just, you're looking at a playmaking, I don't want to say sharpshooter, but you're looking at a playmaking shooter that could shoot his way into a top spot in this league. Like, if you want to talk about a combo guard, oh, buddy, oh, I like, I like both the Thompson brothers, so seeing it at number eight, that's pretty solid. Number nine would be the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz is very interesting to me. Not going to lie, we were just talking about Colin Sexton. Now I know they're going to want to replace him and they want to do better. And you see Colin Sexton, and he's your starting point guard alongside Jordan Clarkson, Lauren Marketing, Kelly Linick, and Walker Kessler. Love Walker Kessler. But you have to remember, this team needs some youth on the roster. And Jordan Clarkson, players like Jordan Clarkson, aren't getting younger or cheaper. And that heavily implies their backcourt. That's why I'm saying draft. Anthony Black. I like, when, when you factor in Utah's schemes and roster makeup, Utah needs more selfless players, and Black is the type of player who will look to pass first, which is why he is known as a dominant playmaker. Plus, don't let his defensive game defensive game go unnoticed. His two point one steals, oh Utah can use that. It's one of the main reasons why Utah struggled this past season due to their inconsistency in defense. Plus, to have that defensive pressure would be so daunting to opposing offenses. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. So, I keep dropping dropping my highlighter. It's alright. So, that's why I'm leaning towards Anthony Black. You get a very young player, obviously, Um, you get get intensity, you get a dominant playmaker, you get a selfless player, and then you just mold him into the Utah way. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to hate that. If they draft, I would very much like if they draft an Anthony Black. I think that would be the best move from, Because I think it would also be a good team fit. And I'm all about positional fits. So if you guys have never heard me before, and you guys are new to the podcast, I'm all about positional fits and making it work for the team as well for the player. Then we got the Mavericks at number 10. Who were like, okay, maybe we could trade a 10th overall pick. But I'm assuming that they retain Kyrie and they keep the 10th overall pick. This this pick may may be interesting, may be a head scratcher, but I'm going with Jordan Hawkins. I'm going with Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins to me is a pretty good, still developing to a player. Let me let me put it this way. Kyrie Irving, if he resigns, and I assume that he resigns because I believe the Mavericks are frontrunners to resign him. I don't think he has the biggest market in the world. But you have Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Both are known as heavy defenders or just defenders in general. So you got to ask yourself the question, why wouldn't you pair them with a defensive player who can still knock down shots? Or let's just be honest. Given the team Jason Kidd wants to have, and the ability a kid has of developing these types of players. Remember his track record with Janson DeCumpo. That's just one of them. I would most certainly have doubt selecting Hawkins. Because beyond defense, his catch and shoot and pull up abilities are almost unmatchable. In this lottery portion of the draft, and maybe his entire draft. And I get it that people are like, well wait a minute, how about Grady Dick? And I'm not saying that Grady Dick is not... He probably is the best shooter in his draft class. I would have to agree with Draft Express. Like, I can see that. So, you take Jordan Hawkins if you're the Mavericks. If you're not going to trade a 10th overall pick, I would just draft Jordan Hawkins, get that defense in there, get that two-way player, a true two-way player, and you keep it rolling. With the 11th overall pick, we have, again, the Orlando Magic. Since the Magic already drafted Cam Whitmore, why not, why not draft Grady Dick? Like, Dick's fret to defenses, he would be a great addition because of his ability to be a fret from deep and have those pull up opportunities. He's known as a sharpshooter for a reason and he doesn't always need to make plays having the ball. He can add in his playmaking on and off the ball. Like Orlando is getting a solid specialist at number 11. Between him and Cam Whitmore, they would have a pretty solid draft and their draft would be done. Their night would be done and now they can grind into mentorships, Who's going to help him out? How to get him um, settled and just ready to go to work and acclimated? I don't know. But I really do believe we're seeing good signs out of Orlando if they draft someone like Grady Dick and someone like Cam Whitmore. They should be drafting those two players, but we'll see how that goes. And number 12, Oh buddy. We have the Orlando Mat we have the Oklahoma City Funder. We have the Oklahoma City Funder. I I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Um I forgot that they they had a very, very hard name to pronounce. Hold up. Um so how you spell his first name is B I A B I L A L Bile Bile Callboli Bile Cobal Bile. Bile Bile Yes Um the Funder would be getting a very long-term piece in this small forward. I do believe there is an opportunity of him becoming a top-tier wing. I don't find that unrealistic. And I would give OKC selecting him a lot of realistic credence because of their track record to develop and progress these players. I think he would thrive greatly in this type of environment. He has massive upside. Like if you really think about it, he's a risk worth taking. I would take a risk on him if I'm the Oklahoma City funder. Just don't really think about short-term potential. This is all about the long game. You got to look at it from the long-term perspective. Now, now I want to turn our attention to... The Toronto Raptors. Reverend VanVleet is not guaranteed to be coming back. Reverend VanVleet already declined his player option. He's an unrestricted free agent this summer. July 1st is going to be very pivotal for many, many teams and many, many players. But whether he comes back or not, Toronto needs depth at the point guard position. And that's why I say in case of Wallace, would be the perfect, perfect guy. Because the way he finishes. The way he just adds in his playmaking skills. Is something not many prospects can say they've done in their professional career and beyond. Like, when you want to talk about a guy that can play outstanding defense. Probably one of the best defenders in his entire draft class. Has a free point shot. And if worked on and continue to be worked on. Can be Electrifyingly, deadly. Yeah, you probably never heard that one before, but he could be electrifyingly, like deadly. And driving in the lane, like this type of player, the Raptors really, really cherish and really, really should get their hands on. But Caseon Wallace could go earlier. Because I had him between him and Jordan Hawkins for the Mavericks' 10th overall pick. So Toronto... May be able to score him. They may not be able to score him. It, it just depends how far he falls. But in number 13 is still very good. And I think he would have tremendous upside with the Toronto Raptors. And the Raptors really would not be going into a full rebuild mode. You just wouldn't. I couldn't see why they want to go into a full rebuild mode. I know Yaka Pearl doesn't want to go into a full rebuild mode. But let's say you lose Fred Van Vliet. You still have OG. You still have Scotty. You still have Pascal. You still have Jakob Ertl. Now, then, you of course you add case of Walls into the mix. Like, why would you want to turn that down? I don't think you should turn that down. I don't think they will turn it down. That's just my observation. And them being a 500 team, they'll probably be a 600 team. They'll probably win 50 games this season. They're winning more than 41. I'm cashing, I'm locking in that they win 50 next season. That may be dumb, that may be smart. And like I was talking about in the beginning of this podcast episode, I was talking about Keontae George and the New Orleans Pelicans. I find him to be most likely selected by the Pelicans. He could go earlier than 14th. But, oh man, his NBA-ready potential is is out of the roof it's off the charts he's a very gifted player that has incredible skills when shooting the ball deep when shooting the deep ball one of his biggest traits as a combo guard by the way he could be mentored by CJ McCall if CJ's still here or if Damian Lillard comes around but he'll he'll be rock and rolling as an NBA ready player I, I am very very excited like his intensity, the way he bullies guys, big or small, just the way he visualizes the game. This is something I want to see, and I think Keontae George would be very, very special for the New Orleans Pelicans because you could have him in that setting with Zion Williamson, with Bre- If Zion ever gets back onto the court, I doubt it, but you would, let's just say he gets there. You have Zion, you have Ingram. You would have Herbert Jones, you You have a bunch of guys to help you and just take the load off, take the pressure off, and just ease you into this. And I think that's where we're at right now. And I think that's how we're going to be seeing a lot of things, to be honest. That's just my observation. I, I could be right, I could be wrong. But I like, I like the odds the Pelicans have the land, George. I think that is a very real possibility. So this was my brief, very brief, but also just summarizing up so it just wasn't too uh, in-depth where it was born, you guys. But this was just me going through the lottery draft and seeing how each team's roster would shape up after their selection. I think there was a lot of valid points that I put in there. You guys have to check out that article, especially if most of it comes true. That would be very, very cool. I I would not lie. I would be very stoked if all of that came true. I've been covering the draft for uh, for many, many years now. Since like my fourth draft, I think it's like my third or fourth draft. I think I started back in twenty nineteen. I, I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, anyways, this was the Quartz Heat Podcasts. Thank you guys for tuning in. We covered a lot from Damian Lillard to all the drafts to the Tom to Ahmed Thompson to Kyle Kuzma to Kyrie the Boston Celtics, and Jalen Brown. We covered a lot, guys. We covered a lot. But I enjoyed it. I told you guys this this would be longer because we are in the thick of it of NBA offseason. We're just starting the NBA offseason, but we're right around the corner legitimately with the NBA draft. So this is very exciting. I'm going to be signing off. If you guys have any questions or want to leave feedback, do you know where to leave it? And yeah, this is all I got. Peace out, y'all. I will see y'all Thursday. Have a great day.